When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to another edition of the Sick Podcast with Jack Bogle. I'm John Bogle, your host. Follow the show on Twitter at SickPodNFLDraft. Follow me at Draft Bogle. Follow my co-host coming on here in just a second at Cam Scout. Follow the producer at Producer Shane. That's everybody. Going to go ahead. We got some different stuff. We've been talking a lot about the prospects the last few weeks. We're kind of reeling that back in. We're still going to mention some guys for sure. But I think it's going to be more so back to the roots of what we started with this podcast. Uh, Shane, let's go ahead and get this thing rolling. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Draft Vogel. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. The first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. The sickest NFL Draft show. It's going to be sick. Sick, sick, sick. And good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever, whenever you are listening. Let's get this thing rolling. Justin joining us. Uh, and from Colorado, how are we doing, buddy? The irony of this podcast being called the sick podcast when me and producer Shane are both sick is funny. <laughs> hey hey the sickest okay it's the sickest fevery and uh fluey podcast yeah well that's see that's the beautiful thing about doing a podcast remote is the fact that i we can still do this and i'm not going to catch whatever you have so this is true and if i was the other uh, roles reversed i wouldn't pass this on to you so i do wish you good health (laughs) i wish you good health and uh, i hope things get start to look better here in the future uh, real quick before we get into this episode, we are as a network presented by DraftKings. I was, the NFL I, I was season. Mind you, yes. yeah, no, I, I got it. I got it this week. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweeter offer every game day this November. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code SICK SPORTS. SICK, like GAM, SPORTS. New customers can score $200 instantly. Uh, thank you to them and the folks over there at DraftKings, and go get you some free bets and make some money. You can do a lot with $200 in free bets, dude. Oh, you can yeah. do a lot. Yeah, I mean... I did. <laughs> I, remember, like, I remember when I opened my DraftKings account, I turned that sucker into like, I wasn't that cool. It was like 400 or something. But I mean, that's, that's still, because that's, you don't, money. when you bet the bonus bet, you don't get the bonus bet back. Right. It is part of the return. You just get the return, whatever that was. So if you bet like an underdog and the payout is $20, so it's plus 200, $10 bet plus 200, you get the 20 and you don't get that 10 yeah. back because yeah, it's don't, not yeah. your 10. But, but it's you free, get so do it. You know? Yeah, go do it. It's awesome. Make money. 
Yeah. So, um, you you had a really good idea that you shot at me yesterday, and we decided to roll with it. Going to start this thing out into two parts. Uh, I think when we had Mark Jarvis on, it kind of made us think a little bit about our scouting journeys in general and the different things that we've done. Uh, maybe made us look at things a little bit differently. Mark's really good at that. That's why I like to talk to him every good so often to remind me, hey, let's keep this thing so fluid. There's so many different factors to it. Let's keep this thing rolling. So staying true to that, we have um, scouting uh, lessons to start with, and you wanted to list three. So I sent you mine. I didn't get yeah. yours, so I'm I'm interested to hear you go you're ahead blind. and start this thing off. Yeah, yeah, you're blind to what I got here. Yeah, I think yeah. Well, the idea just came. From, I mean, it's like the Mark thing did open some uh, not eyes for me. It just kind of refreshed my memory of like how difficult this was when you first get into this industry and you're trying to figure out like who you are and what you want to do and your biases and what you like about football and how you look at players and like just evaluating in the first place. It's so funny because you come in thinking like I know everything. I, you know, like there's no way I'm going to be wrong, but you don't understand. Like you have such a small sample size coming in and each year. And I used to think like, ah, eh, these guys have been doing it for 20 years. Like there's no way they know that much more than me. But it's not even that they knew more about football. It's just when you have the insane sample size that you do after watching class after class after class, prospect after prospect, seeing how they fare in the NFL. Like it just opens your eyes to, oh, shoot. Like I don't know as much as I thought I knew. And there's a lot more that, that goes into this. But there's also less that goes into this sometimes. And there's a lot of things you can pay attention to. A lot of formulas or strategies are just things that you can use at your disposal that will really help your evaluation. So that's what I was kind of thinking about yesterday, especially looking at this class. And I'm like, this current draft class doesn't really have a ton of, I don't know about elite, but it, I would say like, like we talked about it a few weeks ago, it has like 25 guys where we're like, yeah. And then it has a bunch of dudes where... I'm struggling to find big, big time talent and I'm struggling to find, you know, fill out the first round and see how this is going to go. So it's like, I'm going to have to do my, my homework this year. This is going to be tough. Um, so that's where this idea came from. And I think, um, I don't, did you want to do the three kind of like lessons, things we've learned over the years? Oh, we'll players? swap. We'll go back and forth. We'll go back and forth. Okay. Okay. You want to start um, there then? Yeah. So, so you're, you're talking about a sample size matters. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Well, it does. That's not that wasn't my first thing, but that's kind of where I was. That was half of a thought there. But what I wanted to talk about, I guess, first is um, and like this. The cool thing about this is we've done over the weeks, like how to scout and blah, 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 all that. Like and it's just kind of been building on like steps you take. Yeah. So my first thing was um, I was looking at my hits and misses over the years. I was looking at really productive guys over the years, edge rushers. And my the thought that came to mind is NFL level Trump cards. Um, they trump big stage, they trump production, and often technique in college. The NFL looks for trump cards. They look for high-end traits. They look for athleticism. They look for you know a big frame, strong hands, fast 40s, three, all that cool stuff that goes into it. I had a list of guys that I've watched over the years that have all been so productive at edge rusher um, and fizzled out, or didn't. None of them were even, or some of the, the first, some of them were first rounders, some of them weren't, but none of them did much in the NFL. So here we go real quick. Demontre Moore was a 2013 third round pick out of Texas A&M. He had 26 and a half sacks in college, a five and a half sack season, eight and a half and a 12 and a half. Derek Barnett was a first round pick out of Tennessee. So SEC in 2017, he had a nine, a 10 and a 13 sack sack years in college. Jarvis Jones back in 2013 
250, not too small, but on tape, there wasn't much there. Mm-hmm. But he went 17th overall to Georgia. He had a 13-and-a-half sack season and a 14-and-a-half sack season. Nate Orchard out of Utah, second-round pick in 2015. He had an 18-and-a-half sack season. Uh, Michael Sam out of Missouri, round 7, 2014. He had a 10-sack college season, another seventh-rounder. All these guys were so, so productive in college. And I think we look every year with, like, you know, the stat sheets. Fans will tell you, like, how is this guy dominating in college? How is he doing this? Well, it's a lot different in college. It, it, sometimes it's just a matter of who's better, not who's going to be better. All these dudes dominated. All these dudes racked up the stat sheets, but none of them had big-time traits. None of them had big-time athleticism. And the NFL figured that out for some of them. Some of them were overdrafted and didn't do anything in the NFL or haven't. Some of them were drafted late or mid-rounds, and they did nothing in the NFL. And they couldn't find a spot. So that's my first thing is when I first came into this, I didn't really understand how to separate production from athleticism and all that stuff and testing. I thought sometimes for a while there, I thought testing was silly. I was like, well, just look at who's good on tape. You know, like you can see it's not that easy. You have to put all all the all the resources at your disposal, put them all together and figure out from there. You know what the NFL is looking at, what really goes into the position in the NFL, and that's what we've talked about. Hey, it's important to watch NFL uh, tape because you got to know what these guys are going to do. So that was my first thing: is I had to learn fast how to balance that out and look for the big time trump cards that we now, um, you know, we talk about all the time, and that's what we we look for in pretty much every position that we you know project to the NFL. No, that's fair, and that this that plays right into my first point, which is understanding and anticipating of evolution. Yeah. So my very first game that I ever worked, I told this story a couple times, was the Music City Bowl in 2019. And I was literally, it was the first, it was my first college game uh, outside of the stand, sitting in the stands. I was eyes wide, walking around everywhere, just wow, I'm here. Mississippi State playing Louisville, like just on the field, got the walk past security, flash the badge. They're like, yeah, come on. And you're like, oh, I'm in the big leagues now. Holy oh, wow. Shit. Yeah, yeah. But thankfully, that feeling fades as soon as you walk on the sideline and there's a group of coaches and scouts all sitting there talking and you're lost as all get out. <laughs> yeah. It, it just so happened that day that uh, one of these scouts that was in that circle noticed my eyes wide, new, fresh, blood, whatever look you want to call it and took me under his wing for the day. And that guy was Mark, Mark Gorsak, Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. And Mark just, you know, included me in the conversations and invite, introduced me to all these people, just absolutely took me under his wing that day. And we were talking, you know, about this and about evaluations. He showed me how he evaluates guys a little bit, his list of guys that he was looking at, all that kind of stuff. And so... uh we get to halftime and he comes up to me, you know, cause they serve food up in the press box at halftime. Oh yeah. And that's an eye opener too. You don't realize that either. It's like, that's Whoa, we get fed too. Games, bro. Yes, we get fed too. Fun. Holy cow. Like, I'm like, this is legit. And, uh, you know, and everybody's in the press room and the press meal room and getting food and everything. And Mark finds me and he's like, Hey, so what did you notice that first half? And I was like, Oh, this Mississippi state edge. He's scary. Chauncey rivers. He's scary. Blah, blah, blah. And, Marcos, yeah, well, here's the different. Here's the thing with him is uh, he's he's kind of what we call a tweener. 
and broke down exactly what why he wasn't going to work at the next level. And Chauncey Rivers, I think, ended up on a practice squad, maybe played a couple games, but didn't work. Right. Uh, and broke down. And so, so then he started talking about how defensive lines at the at that point in the league were evolving. Three, four rushers, three, four defenses are on the way out. Everybody's running a four-man front. That's the best way to get pass, uh, pass rush on a quarterback, filling gaps, all that different stuff, and play being able to play pass coverage. Um, and we've seen that. You know, over the last couple of years, I think they were down to like two teams in the league that really run anything close to what you could call a three-four defense, three-four base anymore. And so, what he was when he explained that, he also pointed pointed this thing. And this is my first real scouting lesson, and that's why I brought this up first. You have to understand and anticipate how the league is evolving. When you can figure that out, and you can see, you know how. Uh, what what the league's going to in general, what's working, what's not, that's a huge part of evaluating and projecting how a player's going to do. Because, you know, you look at a Brian Erlacher. Erlacher back in the early 2000s, dude, with the Chicago Bears, the middle linebacker was an absolute hoss. Yeah. He was a beast. You couldn't stop him. He was always going to be up there plugging run gaps, doing all that stuff. Would he even play? Would he even be a starter in the NFL today? I mean, we could probably say the same about like a Ray Lewis where it's like, yeah, so you can't cover. Where are you going to play now? What do you do? Yeah. 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 Uh, that's yeah, that's a huge part of it, man. And so when you when you start to see what the league is evolving to, that's huge. That's a huge part of your evaluation. Wide receivers recently have become more about, hey, how much of a running back are you in the open field? Yeah. Well, we get you the ball. Tight ends. Can you play in the slot? Are you a receiver? Can you look blocking is still important. It's not making the position anymore. All these yeah. different things have changed at the, at each position and you have to watch and evaluate and see, Hey, this is not working. Teams are getting away from that because it's not working unless you have one of these, you know, survivors you know, as Jarvis talks about survivorship <laughs> bias, you got yeah. a survivor that's managed to stick around and he's still working. But for the most part, if you got, you got, you have to understand the evolution. Yeah, you have to know what you're evaluating for, I think, is the huge thing. I mean, yep. like we got we got quarterbacks now, Burrow and Mahomes and Allen, even Herbert, that they could drop back 50 times a game and throw the ball effectively. So now it's like, when are we in base? Are we in nickel or dime 90% of the game? Probably. So then you have to under, ask, ask yourself, what kind of linebackers do we take? How often are they on the field? Do we need oversized safeties that can cover? Like it's – you can't just draft good players because that's kind of – too subjective in certain ways is that that just means what what are they good at what do they excel at how do they fit into your system it's more about team building than it is about just finding players who are good at football and it's easy to go into college and find guys that are good right but finding guys that are gonna yeah but finding guys that are gonna project that are gonna play that's where understanding and anticipating the evolution of the game comes in. So that's why I've gone back and, you know, you've seen it in all the position episodes that we've done. I go really deep into the position and the history of it and how it's evolved because I've looked into all this stuff so that I can understand and anticipate where these positions are going. And that's why I think, I think, I don't remember when we said this, but we were like, I was saying, I was telling you, I go through drafthistory.com, mm-hmm. like, once a day just looking at old prospects and trying to remember names to keep it all fresh and thinking like how do they fare because sometimes i'm like who is this current prospect remind me of like what is he and then i'll go back and i'm like ah, oh, he reminds me of that dude from like 2014 
why didn't that guy work? And I'm like, well, he got put in the wrong spot or the NFL wasn't ready for like that type of guy back then. You know, like Debo Samuel is not, I mean, I look at Debo Samuel and I'm like, imagine uh, Percy Harvin in Debo Samuel's role. Yeah, he's not as physical, but good Lord, he was so much more explosive and act, like just purely dynamic. People, people didn't know what to do with Percy he, Harvin. Yeah, they were just like, what is this freak? Like there's, he, he's not the best receiver, but so now what do we do? And he got ruined. And if you, if he was in today's NFL, I mean, imagine him in a lot of teams that want run after catch guys and not necessarily gadget, but more, we get the ball in your hands and you do the rest. He would be elite, but I don't think he had the career he was supposed to. And that's, that's what's hard now, but that's the good thing about having the sample size we do and seeing all these classes over and over and over is now we can kind of put it in perspective and not think, well, he didn't work out, but I didn't know why I didn't watch him. Now we know why. Now we have that like, oh, I got eyes on that back then. That was so cool. Even Reggie Bush is another one where probably he looks would be a little amazing different. in the modern yeah. NFL. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he would look a little different. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, when, no, did, when did Bush become cool. good? Remember, it was when he went to the Saints with Sean Payton. And they started throwing in the ball a lot more. And we we're like, oh, shit, this guy might be really good. He can catch. This is he's good. Like, oh, he's good. Yeah. yeah, it was like, oh, man. And But at that point, he's already got the tread on him from the, the yeah. previous years that he had played. And it's you just, could tell, yeah, his, his legs just didn't have the same juice, but yeah, no. it's no, uh, great point, man. I really like that. Uh, I had another thought that I just kind of building on what we've both said, I guess maybe more so what I've said, but another thing that I look at or that just kind of annoys me is like each year we talk, we, uh, see people say this guy and we talked, okay. So Olu Fashanu had a rough, rough game against J2, JTT, Malu, number 44 yeah. for Ohio State a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. So I was, I'm looking at all these other tackles and we've talked about Olu and I'm like, should we really, should we ding him for that game? And we've talked to, you know, we're like probably not. It's a good learning lesson for him. He faced a guy that has real NFL power. And then I'm wondering like, all right, all the years that I've been watching, how many big time prospects and big time NFL players currently have had like pretty bad losses in certain games in their careers and quite a few. Um, so my my main thought was don't let players' losses affect, like don't don't let it kill their eval. You're still projecting them to the NFL. They're still learning who they are as players. Their bodies are still growing. I've seen A.J. Terrell get absolutely whomped by Jamar Chase. A.J. Terrell is one of the best cornerbacks in the league now. Trey White, Tredavious White for the Bills, got absolutely demolished in college uh, when they played Mississippi State by uh, Darunya Wilson, who is fast. Uh, sad, but um, that happened. Darunya, I don't even think he was drafted. Chidobi Awuzie, who's become a quality NFL corner, he got whomped by James Washington when they played Oklahoma State. James Washington has been a complete dud in the NFL. Ronnie Stanley, one of the best left tackles in the NFL, when he was at Notre Dame, he got worked a few times by Shaq Lawson, who went on to be a first-round pick, but probably we can consider him a huge bust. The guy doesn't have NFL traits. Uh, he's just not what I'd call, you know, a st he doesn't have staying power edge. He's just a journeyman. He's decent. But Ronnie Stanley is far better at tackle than Shaq Lawson as a defensive end. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick had some really rough plays at corner at Alabama. Turns out the guy's not a corner. He's an elite free safety. If you look at all these losses, you're thinking like, well, they can't be that good. They're losing to this guy, so he can't be as good as this guy. No, 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 no. It goes back to what we said again. Project them to the future. Figure out what kind of traits they have, what kind of athleticism they're going to you know, show in the future, who they're going to be. That's more important than some of these losses they had at college. 
Um, I think it's the biggest thing with like fans. You, you try and talk ball with a fan and they bring up that argument and you're like, all right, well, never mind. Can't really relate there. Like that's not how football works. That's not how it works. Or they'll say like head to head, this receiver had more yards in this game than this receiver. Not how it works, but okay. Like AJ Brown got outproduced by CD lamb the other day. So CD lamb has to be way, way, way better. No, no, but you know, it, it, it's not worth it. You don't compare like that. You don't look at those losses. That is not how we do things. It's all about projecting to the future. Yeah. And to, to kind of play into that point, you know, what you're saying is, you know, the bull gets beat. The bull is going to get beat. It's yeah. just going to happen. That's part of the game. And so uh, you can't ding a guy for one game or one matchup, you know, because there's there's anomalies. It happens yeah. all the time, especially in physics. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, no, no. The, the, and this is to. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, too. I like that. And. It's so easy to look at a game and knocks a guy because he had a bad game against a bad team or a bad matchup that he should have dominated. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, one, it's it's an anomaly. You got to scratch it off. Is that? That's the human so, element. We're not robots. It's not Madden. That's that's just the human element. There's yeah. Look times. at Dylan Gabriel for example. It's a great. That's a like the opposite. We're talking about had terrible games against some really poor opponents and has the best game his career against the best opponent he played yeah and against a probably far superior quarterback prospect who looked bad in that game you know he he made some weird plays some bonehead turnovers and you could come out of there saying if you're first time watching football you'd say the oklahoma quarterback better right Mm -hmm. better i guess (laughs) but yeah projecting that game yeah yeah he's not going to be what the other guy is so i guess another lesson i learned was this is sort of switching gears a little bit. Yep. And I think I think this is something I kind of picked up on after Lamar Jackson. Uh, let's see what we got here. Running quarterbacks work. They work. Okay. They as long started to a lot more. A lot Well, better. yeah, because because teams are so much more willing to build an offense around a quarterback prospect than they are to stick to a scheme that's important because you know when Lamar was coming out my biggest thought was he's a running quarterback he's an athlete they're gonna move him out to another position running back wide receiver doesn't matter that's that's what they're gonna do to him because that's what his skill set is yeah and he has developed especially if you if you watch Baltimore at all this year yeah every did you see me tweeting about I've watched every game on all 22 and I'm crapping myself with excitement he is finally the guy that like like sure if 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 you told me like hey you missed on lamar you didn't think he'd be an elite quarterback don't care great i'm happy i missed he is so good right now and i think it's just he's so comfortable there is nothing that i would say about his play right now that says like i'm figuring it out or i'm frustrated or i'm kind of not sure he knows what he is who he is what he's capable of it's not there's no laboring at all he's just flawless it's it's so nice to see finally yeah the and baltimore is probably the third best team in the in the nfl right now you could argue one through four i'd I'd say you could argue one through four like you can put them anywhere and make a good argument for them i'm thinking three right now behind philly and kansas city and i think just until they get beat by somebody you know right would you say that baltimore is more well-rounded than either of those teams though that's my thing. I think they're more well-rounded than Philly. 
defense considered, and I think their offense has opportunities to be a lot more dynamic than KC's right now. So that's why I'm like in a. They might lose eight out of ten to those teams, but I think they can upset either of those teams any given. Like you know what I mean? It just feels like they have the power to play a good sixty minutes, and it's like yeah, they want they beat anybody. I don't know. I think Cincinnati's up there too, though. I think Cincinnati's making their since since he's really yeah notes, they're yeah. they're coming they're coming i yeah. think i've got them at four but no to, to continue that point it's just like what what baltimore was willing to do before anybody else was when they took lamar and they replaced joe flacco with him as a rookie is build an offense around him it used that running ability now at this point of his career he's still a dynamic athlete but the durability hasn't been there the last couple of years and so that's what I think is what's brilliant about what Todd Bunkin's doing with that offense is he's basically saying, look, we're paying you $50 million a year, 50 plus a year. You have to stay healthy. And I can't put you in a position where you, can, you can't do that. And so he's crafted this offense that Lamar is running extremely well right now where he's not running a whole as much and he's throwing dots and he's looking awesome. So that's where I give Todd a lot of credit on that. He's done a fantastic job just looking yeah. at that. Now, what we've also seen since Lamar, Jalen Hurts, uh, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes is technically before, but that was they both basically started at the same time playing-wise. Uh, Josh Allen. Kyler Murray. You know, yeah. Kyler, well, Kyler, yeah, Kyler faded out, but that was for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we've seen these running quarterbacks come in and what it, I think we're going to see Anthony Richardson absolutely blow it up next year, mm-hmm. you know, as long as he stops stop getting hit. Yeah. Just stop getting hit. <laughs> but like, uh, that's the thing is running quarterbacks work. Teams are so much more willing to build an offense around a quarterback and their skill set. So like that's one, that's a quarterback that I'm coming around to is Jalen Daniels, Jaden Daniels at, at LSU. Okay, yeah, yeah, You know, because that's a running quarterback. He's rising he's, for me big time. Yeah, he's <sighs> really looking good. And it was such a shame to see him leave that Alabama game with what it looked like he was a concussion. Um, yeah. I think that's what they said it was. But he's really looking good. And there's a reason why he's going to be a top 50 pick in the draft because he's a running quarterback and he can throw the ball. He's he can deliver probably, the ball, yeah. Yeah, he. I mean, you look at what Baltimore's doing with Lamar right now. You put Jaden Daniels next year as your starting quarterback into, let's say, the Jets. I'm not saying they're going to draft him because they're going to probably Aaron's going to try to come back next year. I'm sure. I don't yeah. think there's any way he doesn't. But just saying, you put him in, into a quarter a system like that. Holy cow, that's going to be dangerous. Yeah, I, I think it's maybe. People might get upset with our wording. Maybe it's less about running quarterbacks work and more that NFL teams are starting to use quarterbacks mobility better, more efficiently. Yeah. Maybe just more like it's they're not scared to put that in the game plan a little bit because I think it does add an element of like unpredictability or like how do we script that? How do we put that in the game plan? How do we make the offense efficient while doing that? But they're getting better at it. And I think that's important too is you got to draft the playmakers, the guys who understand how to do it naturally. Because if you force a guy to run and 
that's not really like even if he's mobile and athletic if that's not his game it can go south a lot of ways i think justin fields is maybe one of those where yeah he's had some amazing amazing highlight runs i think they're having such a hard time putting that in the game plan consistently for him because first off they don't know who he is they're trying to figure out what his identity is as a quarterback but i don't think he's just a natural playmaker so it's really tough to kind of figure out all right he has like all these elite tools elite size elite arm elite you know mobility but what is he? How do, does he know how to use it consistently? Is it natural for him? And I don't really think it is where Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, some of these other guys, it makes a lot more sense to them. And they know how to protect themselves. They know how to move the ball doing it. It's just they know how to keep the offense in rhythm while doing it. So, yeah. And it, it's the stress really that it puts on the safeties is really what that yeah. does. You know, because if you're playing 15, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage and you got a guy that could throw it over the top, now you got to play 20, but he comes right. up to run. What do you do? Right, it makes the run fit way different. Now you yeah. have to really decide two shot like too high, or are we going to bring a safety down and then get beat over the top? Like who's who's out there for as a receiver? Yeah, it's and that's why you see these guys like Lewis Seen getting drafted in the first round. That's why. Yeah, quarterback killers. <laughs> go Four hunt, three go one forty. <laughs> yeah, go hunt, baby. <laughs> yep, and that that also kind of brings me. It's like just a kind of like a little footnote I wrote down, but. Over the years, watching you know Trubisky get drafted ahead of like Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, someone uh, it was one year we were at the combine. I forget who said it. It might have been like Emory Hunt or I don't remember. It was just in passing, and it was just like one of those things we're talking about players, and I don't remember. But someone said once, you gotta. It's not about who. I forget how they worded it. The main point was who's hard to play against. Who is the most difficult to play against? And because I remember that year, I said, man, Mahomes is unpredictable. And it's hard to figure out how you put him into like any conventional NFL offense. Like a lot of teams could ruin him. And it's not that he's not an elite talent, an elite thrower of the football, but I'm just like, he could go to a lot of teams and they try to make him this pigeonhole him in this certain type of archetype. And he's just like, I, I can't do that. I'm not that guy. I got to play loose. I got to play fast. I got to kind of play wild. Deshaun Watson was kind of, he had that X factor where you're like, he's never going to stop playing. He's never going to give up on a play. He has these natural instincts to make plays happen. Then you have Trubisky, who sure, strong arm, pretty mobile, kind of seems like he's smart and has command of the offense, but I don't know. And, you know, you compare those three and it's like, all right, who are the two hardest to play against? Easily Mahomes and Watson. Trubisky goes first ahead of both of them. He's been, you know, one of the biggest busts the NFL has ever seen. And that's because he's just kind of vanilla. And that's not a pun with his skin color. It's just, he's <laughs> just, he's just like, there's nothing dynamic about him or his play style or his instinctual yeah. way he plays the game. And I think that can go for a lot of positions. I th don't get carried away with that. Who's hard to play against because, you know, traits do matter and it can't just be, you know, we could say like, oh, this guy tries hard, so he's hard to play against. Well, does he have traits? Not really. That's only going to last in college. But I think, when there's tiebreakers or when you say all these guys are, you know, going coming into this year, I thought Caleb Williams and Drake may might kind of separate themselves like apart from each other more. Uh, I kind of thought Caleb would take like a big leap and just make himself known as the QB one. So I'm like, he just seems so hard to play against. He's such a grown man out there dominating these kids. Like you can tell he, it's just easy for him. Drake may, I wasn't sure he had that in him, but Drake may this year has come out and he's the same. 
I'm like, dude, the dude can do everything. He's aggressive. His arm is elite. His arm talent is elite. His accuracy is elite. His size is elite. He's hard to play against. He might not look like Caleb. It might not be as flashy, but shit, that guy's hard to play against. And that's a big part of it. So um, I kind of think about that all the time, you know, and I've played sports my whole life too. And it's it's that sometimes you're like, this guy on this team is better than this guy, but I just freaking hate playing against this dude. And, you know, that's, again, that's part of the human element we talk about all the time. It's just who has more fight in them. Who's, what dog has more fight? Not who's the bigger dog. You know, it's just, we got it. You, you cannot lose that human element in your, in your evaluations. It really is who's willing to die for the game sometimes. Yeah, it really is. And, and passion and all that. I mean, we've seen really great talents like Jamarcus Russell. Yeah. Didn't like, didn't love football. Didn't really like it. He went first overall and he's out of the league in three years, you know, like, like Johnny Manziel had bigger aspirations than football, yeah. you know, for yeah, a time. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether we win or lose, we party, we booze. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, he no, gave us some wild. fun years though. He gave us some fun years to watch. Great years of college football. Amazing yeah. years. It was an absolute joy to watch on the college football field, but didn't do any work for it. Um, that was all natural. <laughs> yeah. I don't but uh yeah i like the last thing that i had was it's and this is one that i've learned a long time is pay forward knowledge we're, we're talking about the human element of scouting we're talking about all the different things that you look for in a player and what they have and and how much how fluid the process is and all these different things and that's why the knowledge that you learn doing this work is important to pass on to other people because analytics is come has come along and this is not an anti-analytic statement at all but it's just a fact it's that analytics has come in and changed a lot in the terms of scouting uh we look at a lot of different things if we don't have the knowledge being paid forward of scouting how you do it what you're looking for all the different variables that play into it this is going to become an automated process. And that's part of the reason, you know, it was part of the mission statement when I started the show with the sick network was to pay forward the knowledge uh, that I've learned on the road and doing this and all those different things and pay forward all that because for anybody to, to take in and observe, because at the end of the day, this human element is what makes this, you know, that's what makes a team building team building is not something you're going to figure out on a spreadsheet. It's not something you're going to put through AI and come out with and it's going to spit out an answer. <laughs> there's there's a whole lot more to it that we have to maintain. And if we let this go by the wayside, there won't be scouts. It'll be it, it'll be gone, you know. And so this is important. It's important to pay forward the the knowledge that we learn, no matter how big, no matter how little. And look, like when we're talking about general scouting. It doesn't get into and that's why like I always like to talk to scouts on the road, just pick their brains about general scout. I'm not even asking them about players. You know, I'm not Matt Miller. I'm not trying to get all the inside knowledge. I'm just trying to get the info that I need that's gonna make me better. And when you're talking pretty much anybody that scouts, you're scouting because you love it. You yeah. don't get paid a lot for it. It's not something the NFL dishes out multi million dollar contracts for. You're doing you're on the road a lot. You're away from home a lot, and you're not getting paid really, really well for it. So 
when you start talking with scouts and they start to realize, oh, okay, okay, this media guy over here, he's not like one of these, he's not one of these, uh, you know, he's not trying to get our draft board leaked and not trying to get all this insider info and stuff. He just wants to talk about scouting. They yeah. open up. Yeah. And for different. the most part, you know, they open up and they're there. You can have a conversation and hopefully you both walk away with something that you didn't really think of before and a new perspective. Indeed, sir. Indeed. Um, oh, I had a thought on the top of my head about that. Uh, I think it just slipped my mind. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, you know, no. what you were saying, just talking ball and blah, blah, blah. Not, blah, but you know what I mean? Uh, that is a reason why, or that brings me to like when, when other people pass their knowledge on to you. I think it's funny how a lot of times if we don't get the same results, people just write this other guy off as like, oh, you're not credible or like, oh, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I see it happen all the time with like you on Twitter. People will just be like, John, you're the biggest idiot in the world because number seven is ranked over number eight and I have them the other way. It's like, bro, really? Or for even instance, Chris Sims. I don't care what people say about Chris Sims. I love when he comes out with his positional rankings. I love when he talks football. Because first off, he's you know he played at Texas. He played in the NFL. His dad is Phil Sims. They have so much NFL knowledge and just insider. Yeah, just, They've just yeah. been there forever. Second, when you hear him talk about football, forget what his rankings are at the end of the day. You probably disagree with them. Everyone does. Like, who cares? Listen to like the process he has and the way he talks about certain positions and the things he's seen that lead him to that and the nuance behind what he's talking about. It can really open up your mind into like, oh, there's more to this than I thought. I can't believe he had that perspective. That's freaking cool. It doesn't matter if you don't rank them the same or see them all the same. It is really important. Um, and Lance Zerline is another guy. His terminology and some of his uh, scouting reports are so silly and hilarious and awesome. Because you're like, dude, that is the I, I would have never in a million years thought to write you know, however he described this guy's technique or described his butt or the way he moves. But once he says it, you know, like that makes so much sense. And I've, you know, I remember, I think he wrote, what was it Jarvis? He wrote about a linebacker Jarvis Jenkins from uh, Florida back in the day, got drafted by Miami, I believe, but he puts, Mm -hmm. uh, he put something about like, or maybe it was John Bostic, same thing, Florida guy uh, gallops in the open field. Doesn't have, you know, doesn't stride, doesn't run. He gallops on the open field. And I looked at him when I watched him against Louisville the in, the, in the bowl game different, against different, yeah Teddy Bridgewater, and I'm like, oh, that's a gallop. And you you know you'd never say that about someone's running style, but he did. And then after that, I'm like, that is so funny. And it's just you know, and you add that to your database, and you know, next year you're looking at certain guys and looking at the way they run now, and like their gait and their hips and the you know how big their ankles are, how big they're like. It's just it adds so much to it and it's so interesting to just hear people's process and the way they look at little nuances about the game and that's really important it's way better to get caught up in that than the results and the player rankings list and all that cool stuff it's really awesome it, you know it's clickbait but don't get caught up in that do not it's not worth it it's not i promise you your opinion uh coming and telling me that i'm stupid for mine is not changing my mind one so whatsoever now, if we're going to have a nuanced conversation about it, you're going to say, well, I like him for this, this. I might consider it. I might be like, hey, that's a really good point. Yeah. Or maybe I come back and I say something like, yeah, I thought about that, but blah, blah, blah. And that's why it's now, good we're to having, now we're having a conversation. Yes, yeah. it's not. Vogel, you're stupid because you think that Michael Penix 
is better than Bo Nix. Who gives a? I don't Someone care. Just, I like when people comment on Twitter like LMAO, and you're like, okay, yeah. that's <laughs> constructive. That was great. That was awesome. Laugh, laugh your shaft off, pal. <laughs> Do it. Sweet. <laughs> that's why I'm glad we had Mark Jarvis on here recently, and then we, you know, I got to talking with him on Twitter, and he was talking to me about Marvin Harrison Jr. And all I did was, you know, pose a question. I've, I've just been, I haven't gotten good answers yet, really. But I've asked so many times what makes Marvin Harrison Jr. clearly a better prospect than these other wide receiver prospects. And I won't get into that, but I will get into <laughs> Mark. Mark told me, all right, ask people this question who disagree with you. Because uh, I said, what would it take? Or like, why is he better than everybody? And Mark says, instead of asking what makes him better than anyone else, ask them, you know, what would it take to change their mind to dethrone him from that top spot? Let's say he's wide receiver one, no matter what. Okay. What would it take to change your mind? Because if it would take all these crazy things, then yeah, sure. Just keep him where it is. But if you're like, Ooh, like if you're thinking to yourself, okay, if Marvin Harrison jr. Runs a four, six, I can't live with that. Okay. Well, that's good. Now write that down. And then, you know, when time comes, if he does these certain things, that's what it would take to change your mind. And then you can go from there, but it's not, worth it to argue all the crap in the middle just kind of get to that end game ask yourself what it would take and you know it's it's just it's so much better to talk to smart people <laughs> and nuanced people than just argue with others because then you just you look stupid together and i've been guilty of that way too much in the past so as you know live and learn live and yeah. Learn yeah yeah sounds like sounds like we've been talking about jarvis so much we need to have him back next week oh, i love that kid he was great man Hit, yeah, he, I, I listened to that episode back and I'm like, dude, everything he says is just so interesting. And then now I'm Googling like the terms he's brought up. <laughs> and uh, but it, I, it helps though, you know, it helps a lot dude, of these things. I, every, every cycle, I think I'm pretty sure it's been every cycle I've had a hour and a half, two hour long conversation on the phone with that guy. Just yeah. about, I mean, after you left, when we got done recording, we sat there for like an hour and we oh, were just really? talking. Yeah, dude, like just going back and forth. Like I have FOMO. yeah, no, it's 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 perspective, and and the best part about it with Mark is it's not even just oh he's just smarter than everybody. He's like taking in everything that you're saying too. Yeah, you know, like like it's you're sitting there trading info, and it's <clears throat> that's what's different about him is he's just. I guess when Man. you first you first listen to him, you first get to know him. He's so he's he's a little bit you know he's not as personable, not as not as socially, you know. I don't even want to. It's not that he's socially awkward. You just have to like get to know him a little bit. Once you get to know him, it's like boom, whoa, okay, I get it. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's not awesome. in your face with like bro and yeah, but just a good dude, and he's His really intelligent. He's very yeah. humble. Yeah. Very, extremely. Yeah. This is that's, a Mark Jarvis podcast now. So. This is that's that's your problem. Is the humility <laughs> aspect? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyways, so opinions change. Do you want to get into this? I'll start this one first. Yeah. Um, what, wait, what was the topic? I forget. What, you, you, what, opinion, opinions that we changed over so far oh, yeah. coming into the year that we changed. Yeah. And so I know that you're probably going to stick more with players. No, you don't know. Oh, okay, good. Okay. You, you don't know, bro. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing. <laughs> players. Uh, but no, I'm figuring I'm going to start with a player. I got a couple other things, though, that kind of go in. It's scouting lessons might kind of like overlap but it's okay um it's joe milton i came into the year thinking joe milton could take this huge step and solidify him as the third best quarterback in this prospect in this in this class 
And that did not happen. Real quick, do you want want to hear something funny? The last note I wrote down was uh, one of my thoughts that I came into the year with was this quarterback class would not disappoint. And then I wrote, it has. (laughs) (laughs) We had all those guys that have been in the transfer portal, Joe Milton, DJ Ugia, Labalabale, Hudson Carr, all these guys that went into the transfer portal that were like, oh, they're going to be big time. The quarterback class is like down to like four guys that were like, this is legit. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel the same way it did coming in. Look, there's yeah, no, it, it definitely doesn't feel the same way, but there's still guys, you know, yeah. like like we're Jaden Daniels. Yes. I think Carson Beck. Yeah. I right. Carson Beck was one of my guys coming into the year. He's I had him top ten and people were like, How dare you have him top ten? How dare you when the Ohio State quarterback's not there? And it's like, look. Look, how's Kyle McCord doing? Yikes! Not not very good. Not, not very great. Good. Buddy. But not but great. the thing is, I I had watched Beck throw. It might have been in Matt the Madden the uh, Manning Academy. It might I can't remember where it was. He was but a five star for a reason, people. He was a five star for a reason. He it's, he's ridiculous. Yeah, he's he like mechanically arm talent, all that stuff moves really well, feels things, intelligent. He's ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. He might not even come out this year. No. He must stay with if Shadur. I'm him, if I'm here, him, I'm staying, and I'm coming in as one of the top three quarterbacks next year because that'll that's what it'll be. And you might win back to back natties too, which only helps. So yeah. stay. Yeah, Rattler, I think Rattler's still. I bet he comes out. Rattler's coming. Well, yeah, he probably has to. But South Carolina's the team as a whole has taken a drop. I don't think Rattler has his. At I all. think he's kind of boosted it up actually. Yeah, if you watch, Rattler, I still like like Austin Reed at Western Kentucky too. Not a bad player at all. So what we're I think what we're both getting at is the quarterback class is not bad, but I think it's just not what like, it was hyped to be. Yeah, because we thought Joe Milton could be a first rounder. Michael Penix, Bo Nix. We're like, these guys are all gonna be big time players. I mean, Joe Milton's got the best arm we've ever seen. He's mobile, he's big, he plays on that offense that made Hedden Hooker look like a freaking stud. It hasn't gone that way. And then we learned that Hendon Hooker was a freaking stud. That was the difference. <laughs> yeah, it turns out he was a lot better than – maybe not better than we thought, but good enough to where Joe Milton does not look the same in this offense, and he is a more talented – And that's why I've changed my opinion on him is not because he doesn't have the arm talent because he clearly does. It's He's got the strongest arm in college football and might be in – might honestly walk in the NFL and be have the Maybe the world. <laughs> yeah, maybe the yeah world. it's ridiculous. Um. <laughs> It's it's because when you watch him from the pocket, I think that his decision making isn't bad for the most part. He, there's a few throws that he makes you're boneheaded, but everybody has those. It's it's the fact that he's six five, two forty, and he doesn't play like it. Yeah. He plays like he's six one, one ninety five. I swear, first contact. Oh, I'm just gonna go down. Yeah. You're running for a first down on fourth down. Oh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go down. Like you it are huge. Like in him. It doesn't feel like he's gaming, like he's ready to You just, are huge. Yeah. Run through him. They can't stop you. And yeah. he just doesn't have that physicality. He doesn't. No. That's 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 the that's why my opinion on him's changed. I thought we would see that jump this year. I thought we would see he's gonna come in here and after Hendon played really well, he's gonna light it up. They're gonna use him. They don't even want to run him. Because he can't. I know. He just, that's why he he's not physical enough. They don't <laughs> want to run him, you know. So I think that sp- that spells out everything. That spells out all the problems there. Yeah, I thought he would be like 
really dynamic. I thought they would at least use him in dynamic ways, and then he might disappoint us because he's not good. But like, they're not even tr- like you can tell they're just like he's not the guy. <laughs> no, we can't, we can't sit him. He's the most dynamic athlete on paper, so he's our best chance to win. But this is not the guy. And, and yeah, that, that's Nico's a- not it either. I'm just telling you right now, Nico's. Yeah, not yeah, I know that. It's a lot like DJ Ugiela. Uyungle. That name, the Oregon State quarterback, similar type yeah. guy, big time arm, big frame, mobile. Him and Joe Milton are really, really, really similar. But I think but, neither. But even even DJ is more physical. Definitely more physical, but probably worse. Like accuracy is weird. Okay, as a passer, yeah, you you have a point there. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a worse as a passer, but I just more thought physical. he would be. Yeah, I just thought he would be a lot like Joe Milton, where I'm like, these two have elite arms big frames physically like they're gonna come in and shock us and they're gonna make these big leaps into first round players if they just put a little bit of it together and both of them clearly look i don't even know what you say with joe milton i don't know where you draft him because is he does he have to come out this year yes this is his fifth year right Sixth. right so oof. so this is a this will be an interesting one because we'll get to see where he gets dra- he's gonna be drafted no one's not he'll get drafted with that size and the arm and the whatever he'll be, but now like, what does the NFL think about him and how big of a rise can he take with the season circuit? Fourth um, round, probably Cardale Jones, something like that. Felipe yeah, probably. Franks. Cardale Jones, kind of Felipe Franks. Yeah, is he given? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I thought that would be different. I just, th- I'm just calling it right now. You just, you can go ahead put put the. Punch that ticket into Vegas. Joe Milton going fourth round. <laughs> just you know, just go ahead, do it. Nostradamus over here. You're probably Make right. Money. You're probably you're probably spot on actually. So that makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot. And, of, I mean, and right now, right now, as a publishing time, Vegas is changing the odds. <laughs> <laughs> you know they listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> They're putting off NFL teams like, do not take him in the fourth round. We'll kill don't you. do it. Don't do it, please. We'll pay you. We'll pay you to yeah. take them in the fifth. We'll give you the whole DraftKings sports book. Oh, man. Want part ownership? Yeah, right. Caleb Williams. <laughs> oh, okay, man. sorry. Joke's yeah. over. Anyway, uh, what was I? Oh, another note for me. I thought we would see... Uh, I thought like three to four to five dominant defenses this year in the NCAA. I thought Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, maybe Texas, maybe Florida State. Um, I didn't think Penn State. Those were like the five to six that I was like, we're going to see some like legit defense. Bama was kind of eh because normally they have those like veteran linebackers that they put everything on and they're like, go do it. They didn't have that this year. And I don't think that recipe works either. But this year, I think probably the last three, four games, that defense looks dominant. You're like, okay, this is this defense is national championship level defense. But I think it took a little while. Um, Georgia's not the same. Georgia's had some tough games. They had a tough game against Spencer Rattler in the first round. I think what did they give up twenty or first half? They gave up twenty four points to South Carolina. They've had yeah, some close calls. They start slow. Ohio State is not, dare I say, good. <laughs> like they're. They're a team. They're winning because Marvin Harrison Jr. is an alien. Emike Agbuka, Julian Fleming, Trevion Henderson came back. But, I mean, that defense is just not what we really thought it was going to be. The only reason that they're number one 
is the fact that Notre Dame only had 10 defenders on that fourth and goal. That is literally the only... If that 11th guy's out there, they're plugging that gap and game over. But they, you know, what's his name said that was intentional. We we won't get into that. BS. Absolutely. Yeah, Freeman's. uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was... We rolled rolled 10 defenders out there on fourth and goal intentionally. (laughs) That was our penal... We Never were just gonna, we, we just wanted to throw them off. We thought they wouldn't see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, I think I think Michigan might be the most well-rounded team. Maybe Georgia. Um, we uh, yelled at each other on Twitter over the weekend about Alabama. I think Jalen Milrow, their quarterback, their young quarterback, he's finally starting to figure out what he is. He's a bad passer, but I think they know what he is now. He knows what he is. Like everything intermediate and short, as far as timing and accuracy goes, it's pretty. Ugh. He's surviving because he's a crazy athlete. He's got a big arm. They kind of are figuring that out. But I think if you want an offense to run on schedule, not your guy. No, at first, at first, it, I mean against Texas, he that game was awful. That's what they, but that, yeah, that's what they tried to do. They tried to keep it on time. Try to run this. Right. He's not yeah. that guy. So no. you're gonna look bad if you ask him to do that. If they played Texas now, I think they would roll Texas. Yes. Sorry, that's just my opinion. People are going to be mad about that, but they're playing no, they well. Absolutely. Alabama's, yeah, Alabama's coming to their own. Their offense looks nasty. Um, they might be the best defense in the country, but I really thought this year we would see, especially, you know, there's some good prospects on some of these teams, like Florida State with their offense and defense. I really thought they'd be more dominant, but they've had close calls against Boston College and Clemson, someone else, if I'm not mistaken. I thought Notre Dame was going to produce more guys. Um, it seems like they have guys get drafted every year, but like all throughout the season, you're kind of like, wait, where? I, I got to go back and watch this tape. Where were where were they? Um, close games against Boston College. Well, those are really the only two close ones they've had. I think that was the Duke two was ones. close for a while, but they pulled away late. I was gonna say, yeah, that one looked bad for a LSU was close for a while, and then they pulled away late. Indeed, and LSU's game plan was weirdly confusing. Slash, I don't even know what LSU was doing. I, I think LSU was trying to lose that game for a bit. I, I think I don't even I don't know how to get into that. LSU did not play well. Yeah. On it. <laughs> yeah, LSU, LSU did play well. But anyway, yeah. And I you know what else I thought too? I thought we would see more dominant defensive prospects this season. But I think if you look at like the top of every corner or every uh positional rankings list right now for any defensive spot, and you're like, they're not great. Safeties, I don't know if there's a first round safety, cornerbacks. Terry and Arnold from Alabama's come on really, really strong. Uh, number three, if you're watching Alabama, Terry and Arnold's come on really strong. I think we still have our boy Kyrie Jackson, McKinstry from Alabama, but there's not that dude at corner like there normally is. Linebacker, it's pretty yucky. Edge rusher, maybe Dallas Turner separating himself from the bunch. Jared Verse is up there too, but it doesn't feel like we have that elite blue chipper. Um, Defensive tackle, it's probably Jazir Jerzon Newton. But again, we've talked about him. We don't know if he's top 20 player. So defense is struggling this year in the NCAA. It looks like this is the year of offense. We have receivers everywhere. We have quarterbacks everywhere. Uh, running backs, no. But even tight ends are coming out of the woodworks. There's a lot of good ones of those. So it's it's really this is an offensive year for you the know, NCAA. I'll, I'll tell you who will sneak into the first round. And it's because... It's not a position, yeah, defensively. Okay. It's not a position that's normally focused on, you know, in the first round. You usually wait till the second or even the third to take a guy, but it's a one tech nose tackle 
Nazir Stackhouse of Georgia. Ooh, I've I've been on him for a few years now. He's Number got some range. He yeah. has some range. He was I, their best run stopper last year, even over Carter. He was their best guy where you're like, if if they're running the ball, this is the person you want on the field because he's long, he's huge, strong. I mean, there's nothing the guy can't do as far as run stopper. There's some plays against Mizzou last week that he's running to the sideline and meeting the running back over there at 325 pounds. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And it looks the running back is not terrible. He's not a bad guy. Cody Schrader, he's not bad either. He he's a guy that's probably on a camp next year and might even make a practice squad. Yeah, he might get but drafted. He could seventh, sixth round. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, Stackhouse, it's like I want to put him in that first round grade, but I know he's not going to go top fifteen because he's a nose tackle. Unless you can project him and teams might say I mean, like Jordan Davis went high, and he was a pure nose. I, he's not. Built yeah, but, like but that, who took him? Who took him? Right. That's fair. A, a team, Philadelphia, who's had yeah. luxury. They've had luxury picks every year because they keep stretching them out. Yeah, that was a I luxury mean, it pick. Be, it might be better that Stackhouse falls because he'll go to a team that's not relying on him to be their best defensive tackle. Um, I don't know. I'd like to see a little more rush upside from him, but I think it's there. Like we've seen the athlete he is and the mobility he has. And the range, um, but they just—it's a lot like Bama and Georgia. We see every year they just don't let these guys really get after. They've they got a—they've so got a system. Yeah, they've got a system. Yeah. You got to play into the system, and that's what he's doing. But would you, golly, would you, I got a question for you. Would you okay. say some of these teams like Bama, Georgia, I guess mostly SEC schools, their amount of the amount of depth they have almost hurt some of their players' uh, draft stock. Because like they have, you know, okay, so you have three five stars on the D line. You have five five stars sitting behind them, so they can roll in guys all game. They roll them in, keep them fresh. But Nazir Stackhouse doesn't really get to get after the passer because like we don't need you for it. Same with Jordan Davis. They say we we got you as a run stopper. You're our best doing it. Then we'll bring in fresh legs when we have you know when we have pass rush situations. We don't need you. We're going to keep everyone fresh. But then as evaluators, we don't see them in those certain situations so now we're like can they do it or like are they not asked to you know what i mean yes and no because look at how alabama and georgia players have been drafted traditionally under kirby smart under nick saban in these specific examples how many guys do we see go in the first round a lot a (laughs) lot yeah like i think those are the two outside of maybe ohio state maybe michigan those are the top teams that are drafted out of in the first round so team and then even look at Trayvon Walker goes first overall you know and so I think evaluators at this point know that okay they're not going to have the production because of the role that they're playing but we're seeing this upside and we think that we can realize that upside yeah that's a good point that's a good point so yeah just Walker like I know that there's a bunch of other like so Nolan this year, Nolan Smith. Yep. Uh, you mentioned Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt. He has a second round pick, but still, um, Alabama players always go early, almost unless they just have issues. They might have, if they got a size issue, psh, they go fourth, fifth round. Henry Tua Tua. Um, yeah. That guy, you know. So it, I think honestly, I think 
the those teams in particular are really well adjusted in the yeah. evaluations. Not on the media side, but in the NFL side, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I'm trying to think like I guess and I guess sometimes they get they get like an even bigger bump. Like Jonathan Allen to me he was overdrafted. Um and I don't really know where I don't and, know and when look, I look, back look at who his look who picked him. Look who picked Jonathan Allen. Another Bama team that well, Washington, who yeah. under Dan Snyder, that consistently made, they consistently took guys that were media darlings. Jonathan uh, Allen was a media darling. Yeah, he was not as highly thought of in the rest of the league. He talked to anybody else in the league, and they will tell you the same thing. Anybody else, I guarantee you, you're not going to run into an NFL guy who was like, "Oh yeah, I had a first round grade on Jonathan Allen" because his knee evaluations were awful at the combine. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. And so Washington is one of these teams. There's like Washington, Cleveland used to do this a lot. Um, poorly run organizations will literally take guys. They'll pick them because the media loves them. And they're mm-hmm. going to get all this love. They're going to get all this stuff. People are going to go buy the tickets and they're going to put out a shitty team again next this year. That <laughs> ends up, it starts one in six and all of a sudden, all of the next year, we're playing for next year. We, we added this guy because. John, don't get me wrong. Jonathan Allen is a really good player. Yeah, he's got a long-term deal there. He's going to be in Washington for a long time, unless they trade him, of course, which you know they might still do. But he he had there was no nobody really thought he was a first-round guy in the NFL. That's interesting. That is interesting. I'm because I remember like Matt Miller compared him to uh, and Dominican Sue and JJ Watt. And the whole time I'm watching him, I'm like, this is like the opposite of most Bama guys. They're actually letting him play. And yeah, he's making plays, but I'm like, I don't know if the traits are there. I don't know if I see the dominant force that I see in the you know, most dominant defensive tackles, the length, the explosion. Oh, I absolutely uh, bought it, but I didn't know about the knee until years later. Yeah. You know, so the knee reports and stuff. I didn't take the injury stuff. I was just like, Oh yeah, no, I was one of the media darling people. <laughs> That changed over the last few years. Yeah. For many, many reasons. We live and we learn, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's the thing, too, is that's hard in media when you're a guy that's grounded, uh, that kind of models to think like the league does and to take in those types of opinions and stuff. It's not necessarily the most popular way to go about things, you know? You're going to get crucified for a lot of different things that you say. But... You know, I've been fortunate enough the last few years to build a really, really good base uh, of people that read, that watch, that observe my work. Um, and they know from, you know, my my past evaluations that I'm not one of these guys that's going to come in here and give you the sound bites all the time about how great this guy is. And, oh, my goodness, like this guy. Oh, like the PFF guys are always have some sort of crazy comparison like in the month of January for some dude before the <laughs> testing or anything else comes out, they're always like, Oh, well, you know, uh, Bo Nix could be the next Patrick Mahomes. And you're just like, well, the problem you know is saying? like they get like, they're in, they share agents with players and like they're endorsing play. Like, so now you have like, that's just poisoning the well. And that's such a, I guess it's not a conflict of interest, but it kind of feels like it is like last year or two years ago when they had the shared agents with Aiden Hutchinson and whatnot. So I'm like, now they're just saying stuff 
that's so outlandish and so crazy and they're paying to do it and the public doesn't know this and it doesn't matter who it is it's just like that's ridiculous it doesn't matter if it's miles garrett or mahomes or aiden however you feel about the player like that's crazy you can't actually it feels weird to have that happen you know no it doesn't i agree but so with aiden you know aiden has some teacher tape what does that mean you know when you're when you're talking to a you know like a guy that you're coaching with and you can say hey go look at him this is teach yeah. tape yeah he has to he aiden has some teach tape at least yeah. for the high school level and here's what it is so i was i was actually it was at uh practice yesterday so i just recently became a coach by the way uh <laughs> anyways um <laughs> Oh, so I'm working with this high school team and watching one of these defensive linemen. He gets like stonewalled. Dude anchors really well, gets a really good punch up high. He just gives up. And the coaches are kind of on him. He comes over. He's all frustrated. I'm like, I'm like, so uh, have you ever watched Aiden Hutchinson? <laughs> <laughs> no. You need to go watch Aiden Hutchinson because you know what makes him elite? His hands? No. His feet? No. His hustle. That dude does not stop. It's yeah. like when you get beat, that quarterback, he might step right up into you. You got to be ready to make that play. You, just spin, you get beat, just spin keep going. Six times. Spin six <laughs> times, it'll work itself out. Keep so going, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> That's his teach tape. Yeah. It's like, you want to yeah. see you want to see how you get after the quarterback? Right there. <laughs> see how he didn't win that? See how it didn't work? Did he stop? No. He's still going. <laughs> That's how you do it without elite traits. That's exactly how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Hey. He's an elite defensive lineman interceptor. Interceptor. I mean, <laughs> have we ever seen anything like it? How many interceptions does he have in his young Three. NFL career as a defensive? Edge, he had them all as, as rookie. As an edge he has one this year. He picked off. Oh, so four. Young, right? That's oh, that's right. So four. He did yeah, that one hander. And that's I don't right. even know if he knew. Why. I don't even. I think he was just moving. I don't even know if he knew why he was there. And then he was like, Bryce "Oh, ball. Like, okay, I'll take it." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I, dude, I don't think that was intentional at all, but he was just chilling there because he, he didn't stop moving. And It's like that moved. one play that they put him, like they snuck him like off the sideline, so they lined up with 10, and he was like over on the sideline. They were trying to throw a quick curl, and he just jumped it. Yeah, what the hell? What? Yeah, dude, the, the position. That's some Dan Campbell there, shit right there. Yeah. It him, was and, awesome. uh, him and Jack Campbell, the, the uh, linebacker they drafted, Yeah, are just such similar guys, just like lunch pail effort. Hustle, Dan Campbell, types. dude. I love it. I love it. I can. I love it, dude. Like, so I thought, give I thought me a whole team players. of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I think they were both reaches, but I'm like, dude, it might work out. It could work out for them. They they're drafting these freaky like <laughs> worker dudes. Like, go for it. That's your thing. We're, yeah, De Detroit is very blue collar, you know. So <sighs> with Ford Motor Company up there, Ford Ford, they're the best. Drive a mile, walk the rest. <laughs> all right dan <laughs> no that was a that was a ford uh commercial i guy. know but you're yeah. just dan campbell as a person it's a company uh, that's debatable he's got more energy than i do i'm more yeah. grounded he he gets crazy that's true but i think you guys would draft the same type of guys we would absolutely that's the, yeah you know, that's the thing i would have yeah. taken aiden too i would i, I would have taken Jack you would have taken one, which honestly doesn't look <laughs> terrible. Yeah, yeah, I would have taken him over Trayvon, but only yeah. only if I'm drafting if De Detroit's drafting one. If I'm Jacksonville, I'm not taking Aiden. It doesn't fit. That's, that's fair. 
That's fair. That's Especially and, with what they're asking Trayvon to do, it does not fit with Aiden. Aiden wouldn't yeah. look good there. And Trayvon, yeah, it wouldn't look right. No, wouldn't look good. But I thought Detroit was a perfect fit for Aiden. And just go ahead and take him at two. He's not going to be there when you pick again. So just do yeah. it. Get it over with. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. He's going to work. Yeah. So Indeed, sir. I think that's about everything we got on the show, right? This was fun, man. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff. We covered a lot of, a lot of stuff. Yeah, lots of sound bites for Shane and all of them to get through. So yeah. thank you, Shane, back there in the studio. Shane, uh, follow him at Producer Shane on Twitter, X, whatever you call it. Follow me at Draft Vogel. Follow, follow Justin here at Gam Scout. And follow the show at SickPod NFL Draft. Back at it next week. We got some, dude, we got a loaded SEC slate this week. I know. Oh, boy. And it's going to be doesn't, fun. Doesn't Ohio State play? Uh, no, Michigan. Michigan's playing Penn State. Michigan, Penn State. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some great games this weekend. Lots of great matchups. Probably going to have a lot to talk about next week. And, you know, Mark, if he's still listening, hit me up, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we will Let's find make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, man. For everybody at the Sick Podcast and for Justin, I'm John Vogel. Back here next week. This has been the Sick Pod with Draft Vogel. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.